three, two, one. Welcome to Hungry Hip Hop, Potless Style Reviews, where we dish out the freshest taste on what these artists are serving up. We're looking for the spiciest bars, vibes, and production in order to expand our palettes and diversify our playlists. Yeah, and so today we're going to be looking at the album Little Dominique's Nosebleed by the Koreatown Oddity, an album that actually came out in June of 2020, uh, but I actually didn't hear about until last December, um, and there was actually a pretty, and there were a lot of people with that same kind of experience because the needle drop and a bunch of all these other publications started picking up this album last winter and it's been kind of building steam through the start of this year um but to just give a little background because he was the koreatown oddity is a new voice to me too uh he is a rapper filmmaker comedian and writer uh from la specifically koreatown um under the real name dominique purdy and so Dom has actually been super active in the underground hip-hop scene since 2012. And since that time, he's made seven albums, ten mixtapes, and then actually he has two writing credits in movies. So Dom's out here just, like, getting his message out any way he can. And he's, like, super active on Instagram and social media. So he's just really, like, collaborating with other L.A. artists. Um, and so, like I said, this... This album, Little Dominique's Nosebleed, is the first one that, like, critics are starting to hear and really kind of, like, give attention to. And for me, like, the needle drop, dropping that video, yeah, in December made me actually listen to this album. And it really hit me, like, as soon as the first song starts, uh, it just, like, looking back from the future, I immediately felt like, I was out in LA and I was hearing these like this great old soul sample and immediately I was there in Koreatown uh, so I actually really really liked it enough that I wanted to talk about it on the podcast uh, but I, I loved it uh, Milo what do you think this is Milo live and in stereo and just to give our viewers some expectations so this album is 57 minutes long so it is something you're going to have to dedicate some time to. It's about, it's, yeah, it's just about basically an hour of time to, to listen to. If you listen to without any interruptions or, or re- repeating things and playing tracks over. <clears throat> Your average song length is going to be about four minutes, three and a half, three and a half, four minutes. And sonically, this music is, I would say, I think there is some kind of subversive artistry going on here where there's an intentional deviation from things that hip hop users are used to. For instance, there's a lot of Muzak. A lot of the, a lot of the production sounds like what you would hear if you were on hold for a call or if you were in an elevator and a lot of entry on the beat. If you're used to rappers kind of punching in on that first kick, there's not a lot of that going on. There are a lot of voiceovers. So if you weren't a fan of the Orson Welles stuff off of No Pressure, then there's a lot more of it on this album. And the rapping cadence is very different. There's no commitment to a rhyme scheme that is in lockstep with the beat, so to speak. It A lot of times I found myself wondering, did this guy not write down his lyrics? Like, did he just like one take this off of freestyle, turned on the mic and just went? So that's my description, my take on what this album is like. Personally, I don't really know what to do with this album. I, I know that I'm not going to revisit it. And there was like one or two songs, were like one or two songs that I liked. But I would really like to know what people get out of this because it's very strange and foreign to me what I was hearing. Mark, perhaps you you have a better, t- yeah, more positive take. <laughs> so this album, I was not really sure what to you know how it's going to be coming into it. Um, name was interesting. Uh, the first song was like had me like oh, I'm not sure you know whatever. But I can say I honestly fucking love this album. I thought this yes, was dude. amazing. I thought this was Thank so you. good. Thank you, Mark. I thought this. Alan, you redeemed yourself, bro, because you you had one more swing left and you almost missed. Doc. 
<laughs> yeah, what yeah. we're before I just discredited you completely, but I will give it to you. This was, and like, Milo, I can understand kind of why you didn't like it because for me, what I liked most about this album um, was also kind of what I liked most about um, All My Heroes Are Cornballs. And you also did not like that album either. And I guess what I liked about it is that this album felt very erratic. Like, very, very erratic. Like, I don't think there were too many songs that had the same sound the entire song. Most songs had beat switches or, like, random, you know, like, pauses or vocals. Yeah, that's another thing. It It was just very erratic. Um, Most of the songs will have a different feel between between the song starting and the song ending. Like, a lot of times, it was a lot of beat switches. And not even just a beat switch, but a beat switch with a mood switch, with a flow switch, with a content switch, you know? Um, and so it sounds like he was adding multiple songs to just under one song track sometimes. Um, but it never got boring to me, and that was the thing. It never got boring. It was always able to keep me interested in what was going on. And, I mean, the dude had really solid content. Like, he was really, you know, rapping about some stuff um he, it's, it's weird he kind of so he just might reminded me of a blend of different rappers he my best description was he kind of sounded like kevin abstract if kevin abstract was a part of the original odd future like that's kind of what kept going in my mind like the beats sounded huh. very i don't know like early odd future-esque um the kind of low cool so i wasn't imagining that yeah yeah okay yeah just very kind of lo-fi like i don't know out there like kind of production but the rapping his cadence when he raps sounds more like Kevin. When like when Kevin Abstract raps on a solo project, that's how this guy sounds when he's rapping. But his voice actually felt like a little more similar to like an Earl to me. So it was like he really felt oh. like a conglomeration. <laughs> no, because I know it's kind of a running thing that I always bring up Earl sweatshirt yeah. when I I don't you know. But so mm-hmm. this is great. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> No, but yeah, so I mean, all that just like, like, but that's just, like, he he felt like a amalgam- amalgamation. Is that how you say that word? Amalgamation of a bunch of rappers I really like, you know. And so I will definitely be coming back and revisiting this album. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> there wasn't much I didn't like. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so a partly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Milo, I'm I'm sorry you didn't like it. Um, for me, what I think stood out about it was how much I felt like Dominique was taking me on this journey where it starts out with this kind of like regular song with a soul sample on it. And then you think the second song is going to be one way, but then suddenly you get interrupted by the fucking car crash that changed his life. Mm-hmm. And, and then in comes these like really sinister organs. And then like you had actually mentioned that you felt like the production was really weird and the song just like changed up in random places. I actually, that's like one of my favorite things about the album mm-hmm. and what makes it like, like one kind of like longer story as opposed to a bunch of like rap songs after each other, if that makes sense. Uh, but I definitely understand that criticism. And I'm glad people keep bringing up the, so there are, but there are beat switches, but there are also just like flat out interruptions where, yep it stops and people are talking mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know that just, I just wasn't feeling it. Like it works in certain, inter, uh, certain situations, but like, it, I would say it didn't even work on, um, what was it? Barbecue freestyle or whatever it was off of Lil Wayne's no ceilings off of the, the BB King freestyle. Mm, it, yeah. When they the just like freestyle. straight up restarted it. Whatever. It didn't work there. That's a little so, funny, dude. Yeah, I feel that. Also, yeah. sorry, quick side note. I was listening to our Hungry Hip Hop's 2020 favorite playlist on Spotify. If you have not listened to it, you should check it out because it's fire. But Milo, I was listening to it earlier today and the no pressure intro came on and I was just like, all right, what the fuck does Milo like so much? I was like literally <laughs> as soon as it started, I was like, you know what? I feel like I know this intro so much and I don't only because Milo has talked about it so goddamn much. So let me just <laughs> listen to this and pick out to see what he likes about it, bro. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that's a good example of a song where interruptions do work, where he stops it for that Metal Gear Solid little, little snippet, but maybe I'm biased because I like, you know, <laughs> Logic's your boy. That's all That's good. Your boy. That's I and I like Metal Gear, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. 
uh, Alan, want to lead us on this one? Which, uh, which one we should start out with? So I'm going to pick one that like is, pardon the pun, an oddity on the album, as in it doesn't like play into the story too much. Um, and that's Weed in LA. I put actually, I put this song on our uh, 2020 favorites playlist. You did. And yeah, and it would, I mean, it's to me, it's just like a solid song that has kind of like a, a jazzy piano going on that I would, that I would like, I'd always like if I just heard it. It's like very much a single from the album, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it just comes at like a weird spot in the record, kind of like one or two tracks before he gets into his second car crash. Um, but overall, I just really liked it. It it's probably like one of the mo- more positive songs on the album, mm-hmm. um, where he talks about like his family, and then on top of just how when weed became legalized in California, he, it didn't change his life at all, at all, even though he smokes every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually liked it and it is probably the most conventional, just like straight up traditional good song on the record. So I figured we'd start there. What'd you guys think? Um, so I know, so when you, I, yeah, I first heard that's when you put on the playlist and I, when I heard, I mean, I wasn't really looking forward to this album because I heard this song. And I was oh. like, oh, God, I'm not really going to be a fan. But that being said, listening to it again in the context of the album, not that the context actually of the album really even mattered, but I think just giving a second listen actually made me appreciate it more because what I didn't like about it at first was the beat. The beat was just a turn off to me. Um, it was actually only one of the few beats I did not like on this album. Um, this and actually I don't like I have to check it again my notes, but I don't think I really enjoyed the intro track either looking back from the future but yeah so that wasn't a big fan of the beat but the lyrics is what i really liked you know um i heard they like legalized weed in la you know pretty much like are they still you know what about all the people who got locked up you know i was smoking this before it was legal and then i like the line where he says like i'm gonna keep smoking illegally without paying the taxes you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that Mm -hmm. because jesus christ these weed taxes in california are ridiculous oh yeah you could pretty much anyone out there who's looking to buy weed in California, you could pretty much just add fifty percent more of the price onto it as tax. Like tax will be literally fifty percent of your purchase. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I like the lyricism and the content that you had in that song. But the, I will say that the beat on that one isn't really I was vibing with. Mala, I wasn't really feeling it. So this was actually the song where I started to like how I summarized the production. This is the song that pretty much did it for me. A lot of the production sounds like Muzak, like what you would hear if you were just sitting in a, you know, in a waiting room or whatever. So I, I, I suppose I, I, yeah, I agree with Mark in that regard that the, the beat, I just really wasn't feeling it. The lyricism to me, the reminiscence of it all and reflecting on, I guess his delivery of the lyrics distracted me too much in order to appreciate what he was saying. So it's a quick, it was a a quick song, just two minutes. So I didn't have to suffer yeah. too long, but. Okay. Suffering. Okay. Uh, all right. Did you, did you have any songs that you did like? Yes. So I think it's called attention challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. attention yeah. challenge, the six minute song. And in fact, so the production on this one starts out really well. I enjoyed it. I thought the the drums were were good, and there was a recognizable, hummable melody that I could latch on to, unlike a lot of the other stuff that I'd heard prior. Of course, it didn't last, I guess, toward like before the end, maybe after two-thirds of the song is over, it switches up, and I have to listen to someone talking. <laughs> So, and there was actually also, this song had kind of a hook to it. It wasn't exactly a hook, but that repetition of for attention, you know, go and shoot your mom for attention, go and blow up a, oh, I shouldn't say that on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> take apart your computer for attention, like that kind of stuff. So NSA about to be right at your dome. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't a, that was poor choice of words. But that repetition of for attention, for attention was the what i would say is it was kind of a hook not exactly and i definitely like the substance the whole selling your soul for likes and retweets Mm -hmm. and so 
I will say this about the the voiceover. I thought the black Google idea was actually pretty <laughs> nifty. I thought that, that was, was hilarious a to me. I <laughs> idea. So of all the voiceover on this, uh, that's the one I would say I enjoyed the most. So overall, this song to me was pretty solid, even in the aspects that I criticized the whole album for. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I thought the I thought the black Google thing was pretty hilarious, but um, I mean, I the the beat wasn't anything like you know, the beat was whatever to me. I I wasn't really paying attention to the beat as much as like once again, this was a really content heavy song for me. Um, you know, uh, you could be racist for attention. To me, that really stuck out because to me, that's that of all the lines he said, that's one of the most true things. Like, it's actually kind of sad that. There are some people who aren't even legitimate racist. They just do it for attention. It was like, that sounds fucking yeah. backwards. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it sounds like, oh, if you're racist, you want to hide this shit. But in our Twitter social media age, you know, anger is engagement and all engagement's profit. And so people will be racist just to get engagement and attention. Um, uh, you know, and it's just, it's kind of wild. Like there's, there's just multiple figures out there who are getting rich off of being racist. Cause it just brings attention. And I mean, he just really called out a lot of that stuff, you know, pop a pussy for attention, be pregnant for attention, get naked for attention and be racist for attention. Like it's, I don't know. It was pretty, uh, it was a really good line. And I just overall like the idea of like, you know, we have all these challenges, but really all they are is just an attention challenge. Like everyone is just trying to get noticed in a world where everyone's connected with each other. It was yeah, the yeah. act like you're having, act like you're having fun for attention for me. Mm, mm. Mm, yeah. But Alan, I cut you off. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you guys did a good job of summing up what I like about it. Uh, Milo, you mentioned that there is kind of like, one of like you can't even really call it a hook but the way the verse is like bum 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 for attention something something for attention just kind of like that rhythm gets kind of stuck in your mind and so you're easily able to remember like become president for attention and then all the ones that stick out to you personally like become president stuck out or or like um you know just in any of the other ones act fake woke and black for attention like i've seen a lot of that one in my life and um yeah i liked it a lot too this is one it it makes sense with your earlier criticisms why you would like this one because it has kind of like a more usual song structure and he's not trying to like do weird things like <laughs> like play jazz elevator music when he pulls the nintendo game out of the out of the system earlier right um but cool so alan i do uh, on that note i want to ask you because I feel like you're more familiar with this group. Are they intentionally subversive? Like, are they trying to take basic, like, tenets of hip-hop and intentionally, like The Last Jedi, took everything you expected about Star Wars and then flipped it on top of its head? Is that part of his vision, or is this just him being himself? That's a, I mean, that's a question that you know I can't adequately answer right where well, I, I don't know maybe he said something I, I i thought i mean no i i mean i would say that i don't know i guess i'm just having a hard time understanding what you mean by subversive because i feel like he his goal wasn't to if by subversive you mean like his goal wasn't to make a bunch of rap songs that you could just play out of context of the album and have them just like be good car banger songs. Right. Uh, but his, so his intention was different in that way. If that answers your question, at least to me, again, this is all just my experience, just listening to the album and like following him on Instagram. Oh, oh okay. So you, you haven't like, this like his whole discography then. No, I, I, I like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were Stan. Like, <laughs> that's why. All right. No, I really yeah, sorry just heard this album like the day. No, 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 it's all good. Like, really why are you asking these deep ass questions? I barely know yeah, this. I, thought, I was like, yo, so tell me during his childhood. <laughs> but doesn't it speak to how good of like art it is that you're asking these questions? Yeah, I thought about that too. I that's why I I didn't really know what to do about it. So, you know, that's totally fair. Yeah, um, just I mean, just as devil's advocate, like I the songs that not just like not hitting for you is completely fine. Yeah. Like that's just subjective. 
I mean, that, that's one of the things that I actually put later on in my notes. I think I just put on a random song. That's what I was getting towards the end. Um, but uh, this album, I really felt was just a creative work of art. Like, I'm going to be 100% real. I thought that, uh, you know, it, it felt lo-fi. Like, it definitely felt like it's still underground-ish. But... And once you said that he was like a comedian, an actor, a writer, all this, I was like, that makes so much more sense to me now. Because this didn't feel like a rapper who just has some shit to say. Because there's great rap albums that aren't creative at all, you know, <laughs> like plenty of them. Yeah. Uh, where the man, where the, like it's a great production, great lyrics, great flow, you know, uh, great content. Like all that can make a really good, great rap album and it can have zero creativity, you know. And so I felt like this was a really creative album, you know, um, maybe, maybe not the level of, uh, necessarily of, uh, like, a because the internet or some shit like that, but I did think this was a very creative album and you could tell just by like how non-traditional each of these songs were. Yeah. And I appreciated how like he uses those, those interruptions in a really cohesive way. Really to keep good. The story like moving. Yeah. To keep the story moving forward. Um, and to me, if I could pick a song, we could mm-hmm. actually talk about um, little. I mean, the title track, little, little Dominique's nosebleeds. Um, part one. Part one. Yeah, that's that. That is the name of the song. Um, so I just double checked, and this is the song uh, where we actually see Dominique get in his first car accident, and that's going to be the thing that like causes these chronic nosebleeds that he has for the rest of his um the rest of his life basically and i don't know like one of the interruption here is the best example of it on the album where we have like normal kind of like a soul sample going and then suddenly a stop and then we switch to the organs and going from that to like people yelling about how to get an ambulance in the ghetto just like like you said milo it's not normal rapping but it's definitely like worked for me and putting me right into the story Uh, so I actually thought this was one of the best tracks on the album to like really show me where we're headed Uh, so what do you think Milo so I I guess I just wasn't a fan of the storytelling through the second half where we're going through all of that. Like I would have preferred him to have, well, not in his, his delivery style, but in a different delivery style to have rapped about like his mom at like saying, look what you did to my son and talking to the police officer. Like give me like a King Vaughn and take me through the different characters, talking to different people over, over the music. So it's no secret that the interruptions and voiceovers, I wasn't the biggest fan of in this particular album. So I, it's difficult for me with this because I recognize the artistry, what you're saying. I, I agree. Like this is an art, this has artistic worth to it and developing a narrative and the interruption of normal, you know, business as usual with the car crash at, as is the case. If you get in a car accident, I guess it was just the, the hip hop part of it. Like come in on that second part after the interruption rapping to me and telling me the story. So I feel like that, if that had been there, it would have made it better and I would have appreciated it more. Uh, Okay. Mark. Yeah. So for this song, this song is kind of interesting to me. And so it goes from like, I actually originally was not feeling the kind of like old school, you know, feel that I had to it kind of had like an old school feel maybe it was a sample I don't know it was overall pretty cool uh I thought the beat switch on the second half of this though was really really good um I, I, I was not enjoying it at first but when the beat switched I was like oh this sounds great and it gets like very dark sounding and this was the first point of the album that it got to a much darker mood that I this is where I started feeling the more odd future-esque is you know, whatever. Um, it wasn't because at first he felt what was the person we reviewed at the very beginning of uh, it was like maybe our second or third review. Um, Long Beach dude, y'all remember, or at least he had us talk about Long Beach at least one of the two. Oh, dude, Coda the friend, yeah, Coda the friend. 
I thought this was going to be more Coda the Friendish because it was it was very kind of like happy sounding. But then as soon as like the this second half of this song came on, I was like, okay, this is getting a little darker. This is getting a little more serious. The tone of it's getting more, you know, like, oh, I don't know, kind of creepy, serious, dark, whatever. And I really, really liked it. Um and I like when his mom is just yelling in the background. Like that worked for me. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um yeah, overall, I don't know. I I really enjoyed this and I enjoyed the tone that it kind of set for the you know, um, for the rest of the album, like the lines, you know, from a vessel in your nose that is so damaged sporadically leaks on you, but you don't panic, squeeze your nose closed, stop the blood flow. You know, it's just kind of describing all this shit that's happening as he says that has this nosebleed. And there was like, so it goes to this really dark place, but I also appreciated, like, I think the mom on this album, is one of my favorite characters. Um, <laughs> she'll come back in at the very last song too. But here when she's, like, calling the dude out, that taco eating, burrito drinking, <laughs> porchata drinking. See, my and now Milo's laughing because he knows it was hella funny. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a lot of, like, do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, so even, even in its darkest moments, I feel like the comedian really comes out um, from Koreatown. Uh, to, because I always felt like this was funny and, the, like, you guys have already mentioned the things that I really liked about it, but the mom especially does a great job. That last reverse three when they're talking about like, like there's like God has a purpose for you if you're still here. Like I know you've been bleeding a lot, but we have to go to the hospital. Um, I loved I loved that verse. It was like both of them at the same time coming back and forth talking about like fucking nosebleeds. It really really worked for me, and this was when. I probably went, like, I came into this album, like, curious because, like, I'm a huge fan of Needle Drop, and he made an album, a video about an album that's six months old. I was like, okay, like, it's got to hit me at some point, right? Uh, But in this case, getting hit by the album is, like, literally getting hit by a car. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was great. No, I mean, yeah, you're right. And actually, I forgot the line I like the most on the song. Where he says, when I said I don't fuck with that coke shit, that's one of the reasons my nostrils had enough problems often with basic breathing. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a great line. I really, really enjoyed that line. <laughs> um, a song that I really liked is, um, let me see. There's a few, but let me see. Um, God, there's so many good choices to choose from. Um, I'm going to do Trace the Spirit. Yeah. Which is, is that the one right afterwards? I think it is. No, no, it's, uh, it's two songs afterwards. Um, yeah. Trace the Spirit. I really like the production. This is the one where I felt, where I first got the Kevin Abstract feeling was this song. Um, I was listening to him and I think it's just the way he flows, like the way he, cause Kevin, especially on a solo project, he doesn't really do it on when he's rapping on Brockhampton. Um, but on Kevin Abstract's solo projects, he'll often do the kind of talking like rap. Well, it'll kind of sound like he's talking, but he's also like rapping at the same time. Um, this is, this is what I, the, the kind of flow that I felt like this guy had pretty often. And I think that's really kind of what put the Kevin abstract sense into me. Milo, I see you shaking your head a bit. <laughs> Nodding my head because I'm so glad I wasn't imagining like, <laughs> but keep going, go off. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, um, I relate to production and I thought the, um, I thought the lyrics were cool. And I mean, yeah, overall, I just enjoyed it. Like there wasn't like a ton of detail. It's just, I just really liked the song. So if I may, when you were talking about that, well, how his delivery, mm-hmm. that is, that's great. Because one of my criticisms about his delivery was that he fell into this style, like talking on the beat mm-hmm. and to, you, you nailed it. As mm-hmm. you described it, you nailed it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I mentioned at the beginning, I was like, did he not write down his lyrics and just freestyle these off top? Just went and went in the studio because Talking on the beat is something I see a lot of people do, not a lot of people do, but I see people do when they don't know how to rap and they have to freestyle and they don't want to commit themselves to a rhyme scheme because they're not confident enough in their 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 ability to actually put the punches where the punches go and stay on beat. So they just start going and making sure that their prose 
stays on tempo and kind of rhyming here and there in order to keep, you know, make it seem like a rap song. So yeah, for you to describe it as it sounds kind of like he's talking a little bit. I'm so glad I wasn't imagining that as for this particular, and that's the delivery style that I would say is pretty consistent throughout the whole album. This song included more specifically on the song regarding the production so the only thing I could lap, latch onto melodically was the piano loop a little bit. As for the rest of it, the rest of the music just had so much clutter in it. It was like drinking orange juice with pulp. And I, I want the juice. If I wanted to eat an orange, I would have bought an orange from the bodega. I don't need all of this stuff inside of my juice. Like and the bodega. there were <laughs> some warping effects toward the last third of the song that really... I wasn't a fan of, I think on MF Doom's album, he was doing some weird stuff too with, uh, I think it was warping effects or just reversing things randomly in the background. I just, I really wasn't feeling it. So I'll leave it to Alan to end this off on a positive note, but Chase the Spirit really, it isn't doing for me. Yeah, this was one of my favorites. Milo, I feel like I should have like framed, I don't know if, if I should have like given you more context of this album, because I feel like, we're just approaching it in such like different ways where um, where I guess I understand that question that you asked in the beginning a little more, like, is it meant to be subversive? And now I would feel like to answer your question, like I would say yes, where it's not trying to like follow strict rap conventions. And then if you grade it, like based on like, is the flow on beat is like, or like, how whatever you would normally kind of classify a rap song as, then maybe you wouldn't like it as much. For me, I just like tried to enjoy it differently where I just accepted that it was going to be something different. And then I was able to get a little more into it. And I wish that I had like given you that context. Um, so my bad on that, I feel like you might've been able to enjoy it a little bit more had I given you that context. Um, because you had brought up the criticism about like, the distortion that happens on the end, which is actually Dominique's father when he's talking about like, he sounds like a preacher, right? If you are not a lover of the truth, the spirit of Yahweh will send you a strong delusion that you will believe a lie. Yeah. Like I love that whole section about after that comes like chase the spirit, chase the spirit. And he goes through doing that over and over and over again. And to me, like the creativity of that and making me feel like, like I was in this haze after a car accident where I'm just like hearing a preacher talk who might be my dad, who might be someone like to me, he pulled me into that world. So, so well in this song, like, and it happens again after, um, after his second car crash. But to me, that's why I think he shined as like a complete artist where he uses his skills as a producer to set the stage of, sounds and like weird organs and a dark piano loop going on and then can immediately switch it up to make it sound like i'm like delude like deluding myself into thinking that i'm at this like church service so for me it totally worked um yeah i super super like this song mark i'm glad you picked it uh real quick milo you mentioned that like talking rap thing uh well like you're supposed to be mentioning it but like you mentioned how uh, uh you're wondering if like it's because of like freestyles or um you know needing to say something but can't necessarily put like a rhyme scheme for it and things like that which all those could definitely be reasons like i'm not sure for me at least i could tell you what i get out of it when i hear like i can't tell why why the rapper like that but i could tell you what i hear when it when i hear somebody do the talk rap um it sounds more personal to me. Like when someone is doing that talk rap thing, and I mean, it, it depends. Like if they're doing it, you know, crappily, then it won't have any effect. But like when Kevin Abstract, like really go listen to Kevin Abstract's Arizona Baby um, album. It's a great album. And actually, Alan, you were the one who put me on that album. You were the one who recommended it. But um, in that album, he'll have a, there's a decent amount of songs to where like he'll be, he'll, he'll be rapping, he'll be flowing. And then kind of in the middle of the rapping, he'll switch to this talk flow and it just gets super deep and personal. And it makes sense with the Koreatown oddity because his lyrics are very personal, like very deep and personal. Um, they're very introspective and in talking about his own life. And so um, not saying that, you know, people should get away with 
if they talk rapping if you know that's the argument but i can understand it because it just adds an extra personal feel to the content in my opinion like I, I really do feel like i'm getting a closer look at the artist when it sounds like they're talking to me about something that's going on in their life and that's really so, why i oh i was gonna say that's why i feel like mac miller has kind of the effect on people that he has and why people like when he died felt that's like for me i felt that so like heavily because mm-hmm. his talk rap style made me feel like I was growing up with this guy, Mac Miller, who was right around my age. Uh, and the talk rapping was like the first time I had heard that style. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, a person like Kevin abstract and like the Koreatown oddity, both are kind of like being influenced by Mac in that way. Um, so it, it actually worked for me, uh, but I'm sorry. I interrupted Milo. You're uh, no worries. So hearing you both talk, once again, I mentioned I that's I just don't know what to do with this album because I do think this is boiling down to just framework because hearing and that's a touch on what you said earlier, Alan, about having given me more context. And Mark, when you were bringing up the talk rack style and what you appreciated about it, it made me think of dialogue and films. So there's this really cool video by Nerd Nerdstalgic and he talks about dialogue and film and how <laughs> what'd you say? I think I've seen that video. <laughs> He talks about dialogue and film and how it's that's not how people talk. But dialogue is this clever imitation that's palatable enough to be close to the close enough to the real thing for you to digest it. But if you look much, much closer, it's not really how people interact. And I guess that's what I look for in lyricism from rappers is I'd like it to imitate the natural way people speak to each other. And I understand there are certain like verbal flourishes and other things done for special emphasis or creative effect. And that's fine. Those kind of contrived things are cool, but I I guess I'm not looking for the real thing. I don't want orange juice with pulp. (laughs) I don't. Whereas I guess you can appreciate the pulp and the the orange juice when it's done. Well, you did mention Mm -hmm. that you said, you know, if they do it crappily, it's not going to have any effect. So at any rate, does anyone else have a song? Uh, Yeah. So my favorite song on here is track nine of Bitch Once Told Me. <laughs> and like, an interesting one. <laughs> this, I don't know, this like, for an album that is so consistently a downer, right, that's, we're fucking listening to him get into two car crashes, right? Um, he comes out with just like this sense of hope, um, talking about like, how when a bitch told him life isn't that deep, he needs to have this like, he needs to, he needs this purpose in his life. He can't imagine like living life without God and without like his community and family. So before I want to like just praise how good the song is on a song level, I really just felt like the song gave me like, like made me feel more hopeful about like COVID and how shitty the world was when I first heard this in December. Right. Um, That no matter. And it's, it's corny to say that music had that effect on me. Uh, at 27 years old in 2020 but this album did it just like especially having gone through his car crash like four tracks earlier right um and then to see that he still has this persistence of like no god has a purpose for me here was like hitting me as a christian in a way that christian music never really had um and a a few songs have done that for me in the past but this one is uniquely like grabbed me and i feel like the reason why it's so hard for me to like take and listen to any of these songs like out of context of the record is because it would take away from moments like this song for me uh, because it's all been building. Um, so I super loved it. The everything he talks about, I just like completely gets behind can like get behind, even if I'm feeling like really pessimistic in the moment. So it's just a great song for me, Mark. Yeah, um, overall, I liked it. I mean, I didn't think the, the hook was anything special, um, but I thought I liked the kind of dialogue, like in the first verse, you know, a bitch once told me life ain't that deep, so chill with the inspirational gibberish when we speak. I said, that could be true as I blew out some trees. If everybody thought as shallow as you think, I could swim the English Channel with no possibility of drowning because all I got to do is stand up and not sink. <laughs> you know, like I, I was able to picture 
that whole ordeal right there. Just to like him and this girl sitting on the couch, both of them passing a joy back and forth, her saying life ain't that Jeep, him going, you know, well, yeah. I don't know. Like I could, I it was really able to picture a whole thing. So he did a really good job, good job, good job of setting up the image imagery. Um, but, uh, I mean, beyond that, it didn't like do a ton for me. Um, I didn't have the, you know, um, um, didn't give the emotional pull that like you kind of got from it for me, but, uh, maybe it's just like, you know, more listens and I'll get there. But I did think, um, I, I did think it was cool as like, a an exploration of his mind you know this kind of give a platform for him to kind of think of just like how like what like what is life like what like um like how should we engage with life this is what this kind of seemed like a platform to be and i thought it was kind of cool uh Mala? so by the way i mentioned at the at the beginning that these songs were on the longer side like three and a half minutes this one in particular is five minutes long and it surprise surprise features more uh, voiceovers that I wasn't the biggest fan of the beats though, so it was weird. The production didn't. I wasn't too impressed by the production at the beginning, but then the production changes and it was actually pretty good. Except there were these horns in the background that they just left that out. It would have been perfect. And then at the end, there was this really good beat at the very end, and he doesn't rap over it. So. <laughs> Perhaps if he inverted the song, started with the first good beat, went to that second kind of good beat, and then ended on whatever he started with, and then put the voiceover over that, this could have worked for me. The only, as far as the substance, so everyone's pretty much contributed about the substance of the song, what they like. The uh, I, I actually do have something for once, and quote, the universe speaks back, and I pick up on that, end quote. And I like to, and actually, I like the internal rhyme there as well as as well as what he's talking about. So, this wasn't. I mean, I wasn't feeling it, but it's not complete trash. It could have worked, maybe just with a different creative structure behind it. Oh no, it's it's all good. If it didn't like, like I said, if it's not hitting for you, it's just not hitting for you. Maybe you maybe you do end up coming back to it sometime. Uh, but I guess if I was to just like highlight one like section of lyrics I really liked and and that comes off of his second verse let me tell you what some MCs from the west said you can't keep running away and that's true the only thing stopping you right in front of your face in the mirror looking at reflections of your own choices could go either direction depending on how the coin flips uh pick the elixir or the poison because in a game of life it's how you operate the joystick so everything about him is just taking life into your own hands and not letting these external circumstances like dictate what's going to happen to you. And it, this song may come across as cheesy to some, but for me, it completely, completely worked. Um, so center, like main song of the album for me. Milo, you got something else or another song that you wanted to know? Uh, the only other song, the only other song I liked was we all want something, but the thing is, he doesn't rap over it. I thought that was a good Chris's song. Vocals. Though. I thought it was, was a good song. song. <laughs> that was a solid song. I don't know if we can like discuss a song where the you know I why not? It's part of the album. We review the album. <laughs> Shit. Like, I like two songs. One where there were a bunch of features, and the other where he wasn't rapping over it. <laughs> now talk about it. I thought so. You already mentioned one of the main points was that the the vocals were very good but I, I mean they're angelic and blended in with the production in a way so that good. it sounded actually reminded me there was another song there was an interlude he did the darkness does anyone interlude? know the, the darkness interlude yes that was darkness, actually my friend. i loved what he i loved what he added that in there darkness <laughs> Tell him so, my it made me feel the same way i felt when i was listening. i thought the darkness interlude was a good interlude because they both do this thing where you're kind of you are drifting off into this different realm, I guess, where if, if anybody's seen Doctor Strange, that part where she pushes his astral form out of his body and it's like floating for a second, just in the space between spaces. That's what I think her vocals and the production evoked. As far as substance and everything else, I 
I guess, yeah, I do identify with the idea that, yes, we are all after something. There is that one itch that we all need to scratch as humans, and we keep, like, driving toward that. But that's all. Yeah, for me, I just thought it sounded like I wasn't really paying into the lyrics, paying paying attention to the lyrics for We All Want Something. For me, it was it sounded angelic. It sounded so goddamn beautiful that for me, I was just in a vibe the entire time. So, yeah. Alan yeah for me it was kind of the same experience um, but it actually it happened to me a lot more on this album unfortunately than it, um, it sounded like it did for you Milo but for me this was kind of like letting well the singer's name is Anna Wise kind of like oh. Anna take us into a into this own I like the word you said different dimension but I really feel like I'm just in a peaceful place so I liked it, but obviously I liked this whole album. Uh, she did a great job. Oh, okay. She's on. Okay. I was like, where do I know that goddamn name from? She uh, does a lot of shit with Kendrick, apparently. She was all over. Uh, she was on two songs on To Pippa Butterfly. And she actually has a song called Double Standards with Absol. Like, I knew I knew her name before. I just did not know what she was from. Oh, it's dope. Mm. All right, cool. And maybe, yeah, maybe that helps to like that helps us feel more, I don't know, nostalgic if that's a mood that he might be going for with it, because we know we've heard this girl's voice somewhere before. Mm. Um, and it just shows how involved with the LA art scene he is to get all these like local artists to come. And there's another track we don't have to talk about called no Yoris. Um, a few albums, a few songs earlier where he has people like coming on and singing in Spanish. I super liked. Yeah. I thought, um, I thought that was pretty good too. So do we? Um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to propose like one more, but what were you going to say? Just do you do you listen to American football at all, or have you, have you heard the band? Oh, dude, you're talking to the most emo person, <laughs> of course, dude. Dude, I felt like there was a, a there was a never meant sample on No Yores, but maybe I'm just imagining. I don't, if you... um, I'll I mean I'll listen to it again. Like I feel like I feel like that song I would like pretty much to zone into immediately um okay. but maybe i just missed it uh i'll listen to it again yeah that'd be awesome that's just like the most famous like hipster emo song ever that's incredible but yeah what was the song you were gonna okay so i was gonna propose track 13 the world's smallest violin okay um and so kind of going along with this like the cheesy up the uplifting i shouldn't even say cheesy but the uplifting second half of the album that really worked for me but my favorite my favorite part of the song actually was the chorus where i don't think uh, dominique is a very good singer at all but when he says no matter how tough right now things seem to be when you wait patiently your time will come and you'll see and just singing that over and over again and hearing him to like get into a mood that really reminded me of like Kanye on college dropout on the last few songs that got kind of like spiritual singing. I actually, it really worked for me. Um, and the world's smallest violin, I immediately like flashed back to the SpongeBob episode where Mr. Krabs played, <laughs> uh, played the world's smallest violin for SpongeBob and just goes to show how like, everything about this album down to the like track titles just like brings me back to like early 2000s LA. Right. Like I wasn't there, but it made, but everything just draws me into it. Um, and the song is one of the more like traditional songs that I would, I would assume someone grading kind of like how you've been grading Milo would appreciate it where there's like, where there's like a chorus in the beginning. Well, there's actually two choruses, but there's, there's two like hooks that you can really like sink your teeth into, but then there's also these like long verses and interludes that we've kind of gotten used to by this point in the album, but I super liked it. And even though his, like the imperfections of the singing voice really work for me. And every time that I feel like he sings a little off key, it pulls me farther into the album. It brings me deeper instead of pushing me out the way imperfections in singing normally do um so one of my favorites mark 
Uh, I thought this was really good. Um, man, this man has an ability to like really hit a mood. That's why I was really thinking when I heard this song. Um, and also, this is the one where I was getting the most Earl Sweatshirt vibes. Not because he necessarily sounded like Earl on this, but the beat sounded like a beat off of Doris. Like, it sounded really closely. At, uh, God, I can't remember which one, but um, it sounded like a beat a lot off of Doris. And so it just kind of gave me a similar vibe. But yeah, and I I also immediately thought of the Mr. Krabs <laughs> scene, yeah. too. Like, every time I think of the Rolls Ballers Violet, I just think of Mr. Krabs. <laughs> um but yeah no uh i thought this was well, really good i thought the lyrics were really good great you're gonna say something yeah mark you had mentioned earlier that there were spots that reminded you of all my heroes were cornballs right uh-huh. this is the one that really reminded me of cornballs where it starts out rapping and then by the end of it he's fully singing the chorus uh mm-hmm. with another voice and that's like that song free the frail yeah off exactly. of cornballs uh yeah. Which is also one of my favorite songs off that album. So sorry to interrupt, but no, no. I mean, yeah, no. That, like that's a good point. And like to me, that's when albums feel like they're more of an experience than a, just than, than just a collection of songs. Like for both this album and for, I mean, probably I was actually way more for uh, all my hurdle cornballs. But even for this album, one thing is that it didn't really each song didn't really matter to me because there'd be each song I like different parts of because the songs themselves sound like different songs. And so it was more of an experience just to listen to the album rather than like a particular song uh, often time here and there. Cause like, I didn't like the first half of little Dominique's nosebleed, but I really enjoyed the second half of it. And I felt that way for like, you know, plenty of songs. And so um, it really did a good job of creating an experience just by having things constantly switching, but doing it in a way that worked um but yeah that's all i really have to say for this one uh Milo? interesting that alan didn't well you said you didn't consider him dominic a very a very good singer so i i very much enjoyed the vocals over the production it, it, it sounds like you didn't how can i put this you didn't say that you didn't enjoy the vocals you just didn't think he was a good singer and he doesn't hit every note perfectly i, I feel like but exactly. as i said i think it serves it for it to feel imperfect in a good way he was the uh, the pitchiness i think you're mentioning is on on the words loud and clear particularly yeah. that's when i started i was like okay yeah <laughs> but so but i you know, the vocals were good for me they weren't uh, the only i guess the only criticism the the substance here the nostalgia that was cool the only thing that really bothered me and distracted me was that the, the drum rhythm was just it sounded like somebody was making a beat in in Ableton or whatever FL Studio and accidentally clicked on an extra kick or whatever, and it just threw it off. But they, I don't—they just left it in because <laughs> maybe they thought it was fire, but it was not. It was not working for me. The only uh, and the another thing too, this song's five and a half minutes, so and it's nowhere near, in my opinion, the quality of uh, attention attention challenge. So. Maybe if we cut this down to three, I would have a, I would have appreciated more, but. Okay. I feel that. I feel that. Uh, did, were there any other songs you guys wanted to talk about or do we want to wrap this up? I mean, I mean, I think we hit most of the main ones that I really enjoyed. Yeah. I think I'm good with that too. And Milo, I assume you got all the ones you wanted to talk about out. You got it. Okay. So this one I am putting directly into the, I'm throwing it right on the plate. You don't even have to heat it up because it's already so hot and spicy that it is fully ready to go. It's Chevy's sizzling fajitas on your plate. They're coming out. Everyone else is smelling it. It smells good. This is spicy. This is hot. Mark. Um, yeah, no, this is spicy, 100%. I think this is, this is spicy. Um, it's worth an experience to listen to. Um, it's, it's really something is fine. If you like Kevin Abstract, if you like, um, early OF, I mean, not obviously not the crazy part about them, but kind of just the kind of like rough sound that they had. Um, you know, if, like you really, I don't know. I feel like Kevin, I, I feel like the best description was Kevin Abstract if he was early OF. So like if if you feel like you would like that, I think you should check out this album. Um, 
because I, I think it's I think it's really good and I think it has a lot to offer and I think like I like uh Alan I could see why you were pushing this album so much um because I could easily see this being people's favorite album like when they listen to it be like oh yeah this is my album of the year because it's like to me it's that creative like I would really put it on a level of like a creative work of art um this didn't just sound like a bunch of songs he made and then just threw together out of the track list. Like this was an orchestrated plan and, you know, um, nicely executed album. So like, this is a spicy for me. Um, spice between spicy and very spicy. I could give it a very spicy possibly, but it's definitely a spicy for sure. Milo. You started to sound like the Mueller report there toward the end. The orchestrated. <laughs> There was election interference in sweeping and systematic fashion. (laughs) So the scale is very spicy, spicy, kind of spicy, not spicy, right? And I started off saying I didn't really know what to do with this. Mm -hmm. So if I can introduce a new category, I would like to just say this is not what I ordered. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. I see it, and the guy from Chevy's just bringing it out. And you're like, oh man, I just ordered in. Smells good, but this ain't my shit. Yeah. <laughs> Those fajitas smell good, but you ordered enchiladas. I feel like. that's too funny. <laughs> all right, all right, see you. Um, okay, okay. I thought about what I real quick. I thought about what I should have the context I should have given you, Milo. I should have said. This is more to Pimp Butterfly than Good Kid, Mad City, where you have to, like, approach it as an experience. Don't don't compare his bars to Lil Wayne necessarily. Like, approach it more from that experience way. Um, that's probably – that'll probably be how I describe it to people from now that, on. It's more – That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Because it's going – it was going right – I was thinking the whole time, this is going right in the same boxes to Pimp a Butterfly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny as hell. All right, so now we're going to pick two songs from this album to go onto our album appetizers playlist. Um, Full context, I feel like you should just listen to this album as a completed product the whole way through. I think that's how he intended it. Uh, Like, I put Weed in LA on the other playlist, but um, you should listen to this whole album. I'll just say that. Um, But did you guys have any two that you wanted to nominate? I mean, I wouldn't be against any of them on here, but like off tops, I'm gonna go with the world's smallest violin and Little Dominique's Nosebleed Part One. But like, I'm incredibly flexible, Milo. I was gonna go with the world's smallest violin and attention challenge. Okay, I'm actually gonna fully agree with Milo on this one, and mm-hmm. we're gonna be putting on attention challenge and the world's smallest violin attention challenge i feel like is a great song that can like draw you in in a playlist setting with that kind of like hypnotic rhythm he gets into and then the world's smallest violin just at least me and mark think it's just a good ass song so look out for those two mm-hmm. and we actually for next week we have a special special surprise for you guys we're going to be talking about one of our like just more open discussions about rappers, Christianity, and their faith in music. We were going to do that. We were going to do that, uh, but I have a surprise waiting for me from Mark. Why don't you <laughs> let me know what it is? So next week is my birthday. Oh, shit. Which means we get to do the birthday review I've been wanting to do. Which means, finally, Milo is going to have to sit and listen to Goblin by Tyler the Creator and that is going to be my birthday review. I already listened to it. Wait, for real? I knew you were going to pull this, so I just went ahead and listened to it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> okay. I was going to say, we still would have to review it. Oh, my, we're still reviewing it. I'll give a fuck. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just for y'all to know, we've been trying to get milo to listen to goblin for a while go check out the little bonus clip where alan gets heated at milo for not being willing to listen to goblin but um he gives literally the stupidest (laughs) reasons that it could possibly disappoint him to not listen to an album i like it literally doesn't make sense don't listen to it it's just horse shit i'm sorry mark go ahead Horseshit yeah. isn't a bad thing. You eat plenty of vegetables there. You know. 
Um, Nathan shit. <laughs> but uh yeah so yeah we're gonna do that um the week after we might do uh the other one though um which i'll you know i'll explain more uh next time but yeah we will be doing we're reviewing goblin by tired creator one of tired creator is my favorite rapper of all time um that was so- a good ass surprise <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for this like i know the album like i don't even have to you know re-list it or take notes i've listened to this album probably at least 100 times so um but i'm excited and i hope you all will be too later guys real i'm fast. fucking excited for it okay oh, real fast alan uh, i'm coming directly for you on this one because you uh made a remark about this on our classic review uh, i just wanted to know what do you think of the spelling on Ginkka Bil- uh, Biloba, H-U-S-T-Ling, H-U-S-T-Ling, <laughs> or H- no, it's H-U-S-T-L-I-N-G, H-U-S-T-L-I-N-G. <laughs> going to give your boy pass on this one, or uh, is it yeah, equally Yeah, I am. Whack? I think the song is just better. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no standards. No goddamn standards. <laughs> well, if, if you want me to give the serious answer, I feel like on here it like it serves the more like narrative feel of the album uh but really i think this album is just way better so my work is done <laughs> you caught me red-handed <laughs> yo thank you for listening appreciate it uh we will catch you next week later oh. peace